0: Welcome to another discussion on who gets love.
1: Let's see, where can we take this one? It's a huge difference in approach for this particular conversation than the initial uh, conversation because... As I sit and think about what was discussed in part one, I realized that cartoon character is something that most people will take to be degrading, because um, it's almost to say that your feelings as an adult is not real. And in part two, I want to go a little bit deeper into Why we use cartoon characteristics as the subtitle because it makes part two, which is make believe a lot more firm and a lot more comprehensible in terms of approach. For me, when I think about cartoon character, I think about how much I took from immaturity and adolescence. love and built my hopes up or built my expectations up on things that were probably never given to me from credible sources it was just things that made me feel like love can actually be beautiful or pretty or the flower pot I guess the analogy that they use versus what things can really be sometimes sometimes it could just be mud The flowers haven't uprooted yet. It could just literally be a bunch of dirt. And sometimes you have to force yourself to see the potential of the garden that you're trying to develop in this love that you're like experiencing. So that's what comes to mind when we say make believe. Like what if make believe was not necessarily just imagery or imagination? What if it was actually a responsibility that you Make yourself believe on things that are to inspire you in the love or the experience you desire versus being condescending in a way and saying that your feelings are not real. Like, what if that was the true meaning of make believe from the very beginning and we just had this thing all wrong?
0: Hmm. There's a thought. I'm not against that definition or, you know, what we initially thought up when we were having this conversation or preparing for this conversation. I don't think, I don't think I am personally involved with worrying about how people judge how we are like toddling our conversation as far as like cartoon characteristics. Um, I think that's self-explanatory in a sense. Mm-hmm. We all know that, We've watched our share of romance movies, love stories, cartoons that have formed an idea of what love and relationship looks like. We all know that, but I don't know if we have all identified what aspects of our expectation in love has taken form because of the love stories in the cartoons. You know what I'm saying? I don't think we've inspected. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think we use what we can And we've been using it and then you get to a certain point to when you have to start asking questions like am I basing my desires and expectation on things that I really want or am I basing it on things that I feel like I'm supposed to get? Do I want my mate to act like this and look like this because it's something I really want? Or is this something that I believe I should want or what I expect it to look like? You know, like where are we getting these things? I don't feel like a lot of us are inspecting mm-hmm. our truth as far as like what we want, when we want it, why we want it. Like, have you ever asked yourself, why do I want this in a mate? Have you ever? Have you ever asked yourself why you wanted something? Mm.
1: Um, no, I haven't. Um, not to my personal recollection. No, I think that if I could give a reason why I would today is because in certain flashbacks, I just know that certain things will, would feel a lot better than shit that I have been going through Mm. with people. And the funny thing was, um. Just the other night, uh, me and my lady were having a conversation with a couple of her cousins. We were talking about one of her cousins having the experience of one of her exes meeting her current husband based on his profession. He's a contractor. Mm -hmm. And so somewhere in the planning of uh, doing the estimate and whatnot, her husband may mention that he was going to give an estimate to a guy by the name of, and of course it triggered his wife. Like mm-hmm. I know a guy with that same name. Mm-hmm. And somehow they were able to put together that this is one of her exes. Wow. So in a, like a slightly weird way, anxiety begins to take shape mm-hmm. in here, right? You like, wow, like what was the odds of this being... The happening at this particular moment. And so my lady turns to me, like, What would you do if, you know, something like that were to happen in a space where she's a photographer and then one of my exes reaches out to her and asks for services? And I'm mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm just like, I wouldn't give a damn. <laughs> okay. You know, because the way that a lot of my relationships ended, there was no room for cordial. Ah. Uh-huh. So she would have had to have found you solely based on your creativity and your, uh, your gift. Mm-hmm. Because like all of these people are blocked, removed, no access, no room for anything. Like if you were to call my number, which is the same, mm-hmm. you're not getting through. Gotcha. Like because of the, the extreme Uh trauma got it so like she would have definitely had to find you solely based on you know you and you alone because i i I don't even believe i was even around my lady around this time for them to put two and two together anyway so um i'm like that would be totally fine yeah but
0: but i mean it's just like I feel like it would be weird. It will be totally fine in any instance unless there was some something going on that was unnecessary. Yeah. Like I feel like mm-hmm. in any I feel like there is a chance for all paths to cross and it should be absolutely fine. I mean, in any event, does her husband always tell her the name of everybody he's given the estimate to and stuff like that? Highly unlikely. So this just happened to come up in conversation coincidence or not I feel like if it didn't come up it would she would have been none the wiser. and just because oh I know that person it's absolutely it's not important it's like oh okay cool yeah. hmm. familiar name
1: I say that to say that your past shows up in ways that you can almost least expect hmm. like you don't think that okay here is a situation where now your husband has to service a person's home And then, you know, let's just say, like many people, we tend to have like yearbooks and different high school pictures. And I know people that have their prime pictures hanging up in their home as memories with no, you know, disrespect to who they are with. Now, Mm. you know, you may just walk in the house and you see like this man in his youth on the wall, and then it's your wife. In the prime picture, and you like, oh my God, you know my wife. You know, it's it's so many instances where we have to be mature about our past versus always trying to create strategies to avoid it. And that brings me to this conversation where a lot of what we've experienced in yester years is stuff that we have to be mature about and make ourselves believe differently today. We can't keep running from The existences of old the way that we do, it really requires us to be big girls and big boys and say, hey, this is what this is. And let's make or let's transform the experience to much greater places, positions and expectations. And I think that a lot of what we're trying to do in this conversation will require us to look back into the past and say, what made you believe Mm -hmm. that thing or what made you believe that love was supposed to look like this, that now has you in a position to not even believe in love at all? Like, what was it that really penetrated in those moments of development, your formative years that made you say, this is what love is supposed to look like? And to now be devastated that it is nothing like the viewpoint you took when you accepted love to be what it was for you, because that will probably answer a lot of the issue we have with each other.
0: well, I've asked my question my uh self a whole lot of questions you know throughout my life as far as love. I feel like love has always been important to me. um I feel like loving myself became like the most important thing to me at one point. But it was because I knew mm-hmm. that was required before I can love another person. So uh, like, I've, I feel like I've asked myself a lot of these questions. I can actually answer the question right now as far as like what I thought love should look like and how funny it is compared to what I know it looks like now. So uh, I'm going to say maybe 11th, 10th, 11th grade. In high school. (laughs) Um, I recall. And this speaks to my maturity level. I recall telling a guy or the guy I was talking to at the time that um, I wanted if if we were going to like deal with each other, it needed to involve his mind, his body and his soul. And I wasn't necessarily trying to sleep with him. I just wanted Mm -hmm. um, I just really wanted to feel like. I had his full attention and he was like interested in me to that extent. Like it wasn't sexual, but I I just felt that's I just use that phrase a lot. Mind, body and soul. Mind, body and soul. I just said that all the time. And it's funny to me now because I was just that serious. I was that serious. And I don't think... High school boys can even speak that language, but I was using that language, and it's funny to me. It's hilarious to me because I understand like I was over his head the whole entire time, the entire time. <laughs> like over his head. And um, but it was it was it was interesting. Like um, out of that relationship, like we were great friends. I think we were ga- we were great friends in the first place, but like when it became. We got into the relationship is like, it just felt like a stronger friendship, but I don't, I don't ever feel like we were able, able to take it beyond like that great friendship where we can tell each other anything. I don't think we had the tools to take it beyond that. And so now, like, yeah, I actually have the mind, body, and soul. And so I think, I think back then I wanted to, I guess, have a substitute for the body because I was not sleeping with anybody at the time. But I guess there's no substitute Mm. for that. So there was like the fact that we had never we didn't take the relationship there because we were young. Like that was always going to be missing. But I didn't understand it. And now to understand, you know, but so now to actually have, you know, be married and, you know, get that part of it you don't yearn for it and and, and it kind of fills in so when you say mind body and soul it means something totally different because you're actually getting the mind the body and the soul you know so but Mm -hmm. being young and that not and you're missing one well missing all of them honestly (laughs) you just you just realize it's ridiculous to expect that in high school Mm. because neither one of you have these definitions you're kind of just like acting like adults in high school pretending like you're like you know what's going on like you're sophisticated and you had this understanding you might have the vocabulary but you definitely don't have the understanding
1: and that's weird because i had in high school i had the same girlfriend up until maybe 2 months into senior year mm-hmm. and um it was it was weird on my part to commit to a girl that long mm-hmm. but I did it and one of the strange things that actually happened is that senior year is what really tore us apart it wasn't the relationship itself mm-hmm. it was the um I began to have personal issues at home my mother was unemployed mm-hmm. at the time and so that put like another level of pressure on me to Helm the responsibilities of senior year, whether that was dues, Mm -hmm. homecoming, prom, all of these different expenses that I was expecting people to actually fund for me while I enjoy, of course, my senior year. So in doing that, I remember being so far removed from school Mm -hmm. as a whole because I only needed one class to graduate. So all of the other classes that I did have, I never even went to. I was at work. So, um, I would get up in the morning at 6 a.m. I would go to my first job, which was like Popeyes at the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm helping them stage for the opening day every day, setting up all of the chicken and doing all of the things that you do in the earlier parts of the day. Mm-hmm. The job was literally like 20 minutes away from the school. Mm. So, I would get off just before fifth hour. I would go to fifth hour and then go right back to work at Kmart at maybe two o'clock or whatever that case was. So I wasn't really a part of school because I had my own struggles. That of course I didn't, com- you know, communicate to my lady at the time, and she was able to enjoy all of the senior events in some way, somehow. That created a jealousy within me, mm. right? And um, I never, I don't ever believe I had this conversation even with her because we were able to continue a friendship even after the breakup. I think my anger caused me to break the relationship off completely. And it was just like, we're not doing anything together. We're not going to prom together we not doing any of those things. It was just like, you know, I'm going to be a single man at this point, And you begin to be irrational. And it was my mother that uh went off on me. She's like, you don't break up with a girl, you know, before prom, you know, like you don't do that. Like you like that's just like asshole, mm-hmm. like written all over that. Like you don't do that. You know, even if y'all are not able to see eye to eye, you have to communicate. You got to you got to work those things out. And so not knowing a guy did my mother the same way. Mm. So like you can tell like all of these like firm influences and teaching moments are starting for me as early as high school. And so I had to go back to that young lady and say, Hey, look, I know the relationship didn't work, but if you still want to go to prime and have a date, I'll be willing to, you know, of course, take you. And I had to apologize for even, being that irrational Mm -hmm. and thinking. So like very early on, it was like discipline being created in that space for me as far as high school. And so like a lot of times I'm always awkward in moments where you're around guys who actually live in their singleness or they actually have the opportunities to be hoochies if they want to. (laughs) You know, I don't know. I really, truly don't know what that experience is like. In fullness Mm -hmm. at all so I think like my make-believe in in theory was to always acknowledge that I didn't really have the whole phase that most men have to their credit and always make sure to communicate that there are things that may be extreme as a man for me now Because of things that I didn't get to experience as a young man back then. So I have to communicate those things like um, I don't want to be smothered, but I also do not want to be like, what's the word opposite of smothered? I still want to I still kind of want to feel like a guy, like Mm -hmm. one of the boys, Mm -hmm. like every now and again. I don't want to be like scrutinized because the place of congregation for the homeboys just may be a place where there's predominantly women. Mm -hmm. I don't want to feel like a cheater just because I fellowship with my single fellas. Mm -hmm. Like I don't it's not necessarily to say that like in my relationship, I still want to while out, but I just don't want to be pulled away from. A part of me that i never really got to experience as a single man so i just have to enjoy it responsibly right so that was like that was my introduction so now that we're here and like the relationships are concrete and the relationships are actually meaningful that we're in we're seeing that this is not the case for who we are around who we deal with who we are able to kind of influence in a positive way. And I think that we've had the make-believe moment that we're speaking about now, even back in our youth. So how do we bring that full circle for those that are listening?
0: I'm going to say that being young and in love kind of determines your path, right? Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that there were men who had... They're heartbroken in high school that took that heartbreak into adulthood and they still struggle mm-hmm. with it today. They still have issues with women to this day because of something that happened in high school in their formidable years. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like women, you know, that saying she peaked in high school. Right. So a mm-hmm. lot of young ladies, you know, were used to, you know, getting a lot of attention from men right in high school Mm -hmm. in college and they utilize that attention and base the reality on that time frame and it's hard for them to simmer down today in their late 30s going into their 40s because they're still used to that level of attention not realizing that has dwindled down long before you know like it's not the Mm same i feel like like a lot of things a lot of events that take place in high school really um, sets the tone for what to expect in life. Um, If you were fortunate, and I'm going to say fortunate, if you were fortunate in high school to kind of be like a slow blossomer, maybe you were funny looking. Shout out to all the funny looking (laughs) girls. Um, (laughs) Maybe you were funny looking and, and you didn't peak in high school. So you actually got to grow into your beauty, right? A lot of guys that totally didn't see you in high school, by the time you were you know 2021 20, they were like i know you didn't go to my high school and i'm like yes i did and you didn't see me so move around you know and it's just like it's just like right, you get right. to later in life you know blossom and become become your own and i think it's good because when you peak in high school you don't realize you're peaking in life so that could be a tad scary, because mm. uh, you know you you have like this false sense of reality, like you're a it girl, but it it's only like until you're like twenty five, you know, then things right, change. Right. You're no longer a it girl. So I mean, it just I think it sets the tone in dating and and loving and how it becomes full circle is. Like if you didn't get a lot of attention or you just didn't get to have a lot of experience in high school, you kind of have a blank slate. So in some ways you can have a head start, some ways you can have a blank slate. But all in all, experiences in relationship are to help you get closer to what you want and need in a partner. So... If you did find your high school sweetheart and y'all are still in love, like good for you. Kudos to you. A lot of people found their high school sweethearts and they, you know, married them, but 20 years later, they realized they didn't, they made a decision in ignorance. You know, they didn't know themselves Mm. yet. They had to, um, a lot of life to live before they can determine it. So those relationships don't last. So it's like you cannot determine exactly what happens, but I do believe it definitely sets the tone to what the last half of your life will look like in dating and in relationship.
1: Right. I think I answered so the question. Go-
0: it's kind of hard. It's a yeah, hard question, did. but I think I touched it at least
1: because it's given me where I want to take the conversation Great. that goes a little bit further into make believe. Awesome. Okay. My very first question is, Why can't love be religious the same way that you believe in God whom you've never seen? Why can't the same be done for love? Because Mm -hmm. here we are living in experiences that are handpicked by God, the author and finisher, as we know from, you know, those of us that have been in church. Mm -hmm. Um, We live in these experiences and. As hurtful and as painful and as heartbreaking and all detrimental as they are, we still never change our belief in God. Why is it that we can't believe the same way when it comes to love?
0: Okay, first and foremost, um, shout out to church kids, okay? You ain't necessarily got a PK. You got to be a PK, but shout out to you if you was raised in the church, right? Right, I feel like, I feel like that experience catapulted a lot of people. So why love can't be religious? Okay. First of all, if you know anything about church kids, I feel like the bulk of church children understand the love of God, right? We all Mm -hmm. understand the love of God is unconditional, Right. I think if you were paying right. attention in church, you realize that you were a human and you did have conditions. I feel like when the preacher was preaching the love of God is unconditional, I was like, well, my love is definitely conditioned because <laughs> there is just not a way for me to get over a lot of the things. And I remember I took on this like joke that I told in life, like, good thing I'm not God because you wouldn't be here. You know, <laughs> like, I was a mess, right? Oh,
1: yeah. I have. Yeah. yeah. I used to say stuff like yeah, that, too. Yeah, like, Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What was my phrase? My phrase was, um, God accepts you as you are. But with me, you have to come correct. Right.
0: See, so it was things like that. Things like that. It's just like, look, I have conditions. I am human. I'm Mm -hmm. also human. Like, listen, I can't deal with all this stuff, right? So, I mean, I think that that set us apart right there. Just understanding that love had conditions because a lot of people ran with the idea of unconditional love, expecting people to love them no matter what. And how foolish, right? How foolish. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I think set us apart. And then like why love can't be religious. Love can't be religious because ultimately at the end of the day, religion is just a regimen, right? And a lot of times we fall into habits because we're benefiting, right? But we know in love or relationship, as soon as it, as soon as you feel like you're not benefiting, things change. Right? Soon as you realize as soon as for men, as soon as you know there's a more attractive woman that you might have access to, you look at the one that you got a little differently. You know, like as soon as you realize there's a man with more money that might be interested in you, you look at the one you got differently. Like we understand regimen, religion only works. As it's benefiting you. If you feel like you're getting something out of the deal. And in relationship. As soon as you feel like. Especially when you're young. As soon as you feel like you can get a better deal. You start looking at your current relationship differently. Especially when you're young. Especially when you're not serious. Especially if it's not marriage involved. Especially when you're immature. Like you just religion and Regimen and practice only makes perfect if you're benefiting from it, if it's a a reward involved. So we know what the Mm -hmm. reward is in church and religion. Supposedly you live a certain way, you die and go to heaven. If there's more to it, I don't know. But I think <laughs> I think from what I recall, like you 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 live a certain way, God blesses your life when you die, you go to heaven. I think that's the ultimate reward going to heaven. what is the ultimate reward in loving somebody?
1: going to heaven
0: how do you go in heaven go to heaven in relationship?
1: because to me, heaven is an existence within the mind. How do it's you go to heaven
0: a, in a relationship?
1: So let's get into that okay. I totally agree with your perspective on why love can't be religious, but taking it there mm-hmm. and hearing the examples that you gave, I remember hearing that every testimony has a test. okay, every message has a mess, right, right? And the only way that you can be who you say you are is you have to go through the trial in order to be able to speak the triumph. Mm-hmm. So here again, this is make believe. Okay. Despite the fact that you don't necessarily see the reward. Mm-hmm. You know that there is one despite what you can't see.
0: In a relationship. The faith
1: is the, right. In a relationship, oh. that faith of the substance that you hope for. Mm. You don't see it. It's not present. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even seem like at times for what you're going through is even real. But you continue this path towards what it is that you want despite not being able to physically grasp it I think that that could aid us in a way to how we approach our relationships because let's just say if we just look at low expectations okay. for an example mm-hmm. wouldn't it be safer to date with low expectations than high expectations these days
0: Ah. <laughs> uh- so that's a tricky question um assuming you have expectations right
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'm gonna say it is easy like once you have a standard or expectation I feel like a lot of people will say that's going to be your issue right but I do think having a standard and the expectation sets you up for success unless you're inflexible and and if you get some of what you're looking for, but not all of it, and it's a deal breaker for you. So I feel like mm-hmm. expectations and standards are perfectly fine if you can adjust. But if you're really rigid in your way, um, I, I feel like having standard and expectation might become an issue. So that's why I just can't say, no, you shouldn't have expectations. Yes, you should have expectations. It just depends on the person. Right, right. So I, that's why I answered it that way. So, yeah.
1: In my belief is actually safer and possibly more beneficial.
0: To have lower expectations?
1: Yeah, to have lower expectations in dating because the reason why it's safer is because the low expectations is merely in dating, not in relationship, right? So you're entering into this process with just believing that it's just the date. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine... If the right man shows up in the space where you just think it's just the date and he has a appointed position in this situation that you just don't know about. He's the change agent to how you see or or foresee the circumstance with those low expectations. The instance that you possibly can meet a person that exceeds your expectations can also reinvigorate you. And make you become that born again believer again. But you go in with this idea that, okay, I'm not going to get my hopes up. And then he shows you that those things that you were hoping for are real, even without your effort. That is a definite change that I believe to be a beautiful thing to feel.
0: Okay, okay. So, but. I guess I guess my my issue would be picking on the fact that, like if you have low expectations, it's really easy to exceed the expectation with very little um and if you
1: oh wow. and if
0: you wow. and if you have like if you're not hopeful, then like anything more than showing up for the date is more than you hope for <laughs> you know so it's like so I mean, I get it, I hear exactly what you're saying, I'm just saying like. You, I feel like, I feel like the person you're speaking of, they have the hopes and the expectations. They just don't want to speak on them because then that makes it real. And then they hold it against the person. So it's like you have your expectations and you're hopeful, but you're not going to place all of those in this right now. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like You don't lead with them, but they're in the back of your head. They're definitely there. They're just not, they're not going to determine if this person gets a second date or not. Right,
1: right, so yeah. so
0: that that's that's what I'll say to that, but i'm 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 still hoping and holding out for what heaven is in a relationship, like what's the ultimate reward and goal in a relationship? because I think the 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 person who is in church that is faithful at church, that is living their life a certain way, the major reason is because they know that there is more to life than this current reality. You Mm -hmm. know, they they are living today because of what they expect to see on the other side. So what is equivalent to that in a relationship? Because I feel like that's the reason, in a nutshell, why you can't love like you practice religion.
1: Wow. So for me, when I say heaven in a relationship, Mm -hmm. I've always thought that to be the components that we give credit to god for like you know being the the prince of peace and all of those different things that we claim that we want in a relationship if you connect to the source of peace the source of kindness happiness joy all of those components that you actually take to the church or as you seek out from the church, I think that ultimately those become the habits of the relationship. It becomes the headspace that you exist in often when you know you're in the world that deals with the, the chaos and calamity. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that it's a trophy that you're going to be handed with your name on it, that you can sit on a mantle. It's going to be a mind state. It's going to be a certain level of care that you take for yourself, and that you can also distribute and possibly administer to others. It's not just about the reward of being faithful, it's more so the the existence that you get to live in that is not disrupted by the rest of the world. Because ultimately that's why we campaign to go to heaven because it's supposed to be much peaceful, much more pleasant much more beautiful than where we are. So why not live in that mind state when you're dealing with chaos in your relationships? So that would be my answer. I'm not, I'm not in search of an equivalent to leverage myself above anybody. I want to be able to enjoy my sanity while on earth. So if, That means understanding how to be peaceful, understanding how to be cordial, understanding how to communicate when you have issues, understanding how to be mature about disagreements, walking away from situations without being disrespectful, Mm -hmm. demeaning or devalue devaluing. Mm -hmm. Like it's so many things that represent the peace that would come from our ideas of heaven. It's not as much bickering, disagreeing, arguing, backbiting, all of those things that we've heard from church. So in relationships, it all, it all depends on your headspace. Hmm. So whatever that heaven is for you that you want to get to in a relationship where you say, I want a man that's going to love me unconditionally. What does it take for you to get to heaven in that regard? And this is the practice that you will have to take in order for you to be made to believe the way that you want to believe. Mm. It's not as religious as the question, though it was a religious question. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because like we said before in the part one, well, one of the things that I suggested in part one is that sometimes being unprepared makes you moldable. Mm hmm. So even if it's something that you don't necessarily have or see, it's something that you could possibly be molded into, which can be a benefit to the relationship because you're going to be fit to the exact size of the love you see for yourself. Okay. So.
0: All right. So my next statement is going to be something along the lines of make-believe right mm-hmm. um i recall believing that when you were in a great relationship your partner had to tell you every single thing especially <laughs> especially the things that i guess worried them the most like maybe their fears are you know just anything like everything you know I thought mm-hmm. that i I realized today that that's not possible not not saying that some people don't tell people everything, right, but i right. I think it's not as important as I once made it. you know what I'm saying right i don't I don't think it is as important as I once made it because I understand people now and I get that there are just some things that is not worth sharing right and I say it's not worth sharing because you might um, take it to be something very near and dear to you right and if you share it Mm -hmm. it's so important to you that you would want the person that you shared with to be you would want it to be held in that same light for them and I realized that that's almost impossible because it was yours. You understand? Like maybe it's a treasure you hold deep and they don't understand it to the level that you do. So they couldn't possibly. So like when you're telling people your deepest, uttermost secrets and stuff like that, like you're saying it to them as if it's going to Im- impact them the same way when it may not. And then it might change the way you look at them because this was so important to you. This was so this is was so secretive. This was something you said you would take to your grave. And they're just like, oh, okay, that's it. You know? So it's, it's, it's like, maybe you don't have to tell them everything because it's hard for us to be so different and take information in the same way. You understand? Something that's a big deal to right. you might right. not be a big deal to the next person. And so I put less weight on that. I do. But there was a time if somebody told me that I thought we were in relationship and we were close and they told me they weren't going to tell me something, I took it personally. So I'm, I'm going to say like, that was what I made. I made believe or I was playing make believe when I felt like every detail had to be disclosed to me. If you said we were in love you're in a relationship. So that's, what's yeah. different today. Cause I don't, I don't believe that anymore.
1: One of the hardest things to do as a man For a woman's information purpose, asking your man to communicate everything he feel is. One of the most difficult things that you could ever expect a man to do without challenge, Mm -hmm. because just because you ask doesn't mean that the answer comes as quick or as easy as the question, like a lot of times he don't know clue to first what it is he feeling in this moment (laughs) he just know that it's a mood it's (laughs) it's a mood it's something that's going on in here Uh that i don't quite understand and i'm pissed off because i can't even understand it to be able to do something instead to fix Mm -hmm. it so you just like i know it's something well shit i know it's something too (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to figure that thing out too. So, like, a lot of times in communicating and having those discussions where you feel like you want to be on the inside, uh-huh. true enough, being close mm-hmm. is about as close as you're going to get right. to the inside. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be. A way for you to kind of exist within the emotions and know exactly what those things are, you're about as close as you can get by just being present and being able to recognize that something is wrong.
0: Right. I just feel like early on I took it personally. Like I took it personally. Like if you mm-hmm. did not trust me with every bit of you things that are bothering you especially things you're worried about if you couldn't trust me with that you you couldn't you couldn't think highly of me right so it's like I took it personal and I mean it took a lot of growth and understanding to you know not take it personal Mm -hmm. to get to get beyond it to be okay with the fact that I don't Need to confirm or know everything. Like, there are some things that I know for myself. And even, and even if I said, okay, husband, I know this about you. Is this true? He might deny it.
2: (laughs) Cause he don't want, he don't
0: want me. He doesn't want, he doesn't need that. He doesn't want me to know that or understand him so clearly. Like, he, I, I think men work hard to, I'm not, I, I think they need to be, be mysterious to us in some regard. Not every regard, but I just don't think they want to be clear as day to us. They don't want to be easy to read. They don't want to yeah. be, um, yeah. they don't want to be made that simple. You know, they don't want it. They want to be more complex and it's hilarious, but I think understanding that helped me, so, you know, helped me so much more.
1: I think that's the moment of when you were speaking of women in hiding mm-hmm. in part one. Like those are our moments in hiding.
0: Oh, okay.
1: That we sometimes we want to um we want to figure ourselves out the same way. Mm-hmm. And it's a definite distraction to our initial purpose for ourselves to have a woman have that much intuition to see into us mm-hmm. in that way so we kind of just rejected it for the sake of it not being the answer we were able to come up with for ourselves mm-hmm. and one of the one of the ways that always seemed to work and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only guy that thinks this way but there were moments where women really embrace being nurturers that made us believe that we can communicate better and it was certain things that they would do when we would practice intimacy and affection like Mm -hmm. i'll give you an example like let's just say your man is a guy who is very religious about making sure that he develops his wave pattern in his hair mm-hmm. right you see this man brushing his hair 24 <laughs> 7 he walk around with a do rag on for 18 out of the 24 hours mm-hmm. you see that this is something that he is very 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 keen about mm-hmm. and women had this masterful skill to put him in a position to where he can relax whether that was like on the floor or on the couch and he's kind of like somewhat sitting in between her legs and she's like brushing his hair with the slow strokes, with the attention and the compassion. And she's just having a conversation while doing so. Mm-hmm. And it puts him at a, a comfort and a peace to where he's now talking without even knowing that these things are coming out of his mouth. This is somewhat the equivalent to, since we are using the church as somewhat of an example, this is like setting the atmosphere in a sense. Mm -hmm. Like these things were happening without our control. The intimacy of your woman being able to even braid hair. If you just so happen to have hair that needs to be braided, she was able to like, you know, scratch her scalp and do all of the things that nurtures that part of you and before you know it just the conversations were just coming out of nowhere Mm -hmm. in those moments of actually nurturing that man and letting him relax and be comfortable and also be catered to in that moment I think that sometimes whether we want to do this or not like we have to know how to create certain atmospheres in our relationships so that our moments of make-believe can be more concrete. And I don't know where that has even gone because you don't see people being willing to even cater to each other for the type of conversations that you want to have in your relationship so that you can't. In terms of the example you gave where it was an expectation, sometimes if the atmosphere is set, you can get that without asking. So, like, how do we get to how do we get to that space of setting the atmosphere for the things that we want versus setting expectations for what we want?
0: I would say I think when you're actually in relationship, it is okay to then like lower the standards when it comes to like specific things in a relationship so Mm -hmm. instead of me having the expectation to know everything about them i changed that to just be happy to when i learned something new right like just just to get excited every time I, I made a new realization about him without, you know, making it obvious. Like, oh, you just told me it's about you. Ha I know now, you know, like instead of doing <laughs> that, instead of doing that, like I'm keeping score. Like because I, I feel like with me and my personality type, my husband knows I create patterns. He's known that from day one about me. I create patterns. And when you break a pattern. I ask questions, Right.
2: <laughs> so
0: and I had to even get away from that because I had to ask myself a question on crystal clear. Um do you have to trust? Like, do you have to trust someone when you create patterns? So my my creating patterns was my way of controlling what was happening. So mm. if if you followed the pattern, I didn't feel like I was controlling you. But as soon as you broke the pattern, that was like my alarm that went off to tell me something ain't right, something ain't right, something ain't right, something ain't some right. Right? Mm-hmm. When in actual- when actuality they just they're changing something about themselves. It was more so an alarm to that they are shifting. In the way that they were doing things opposed to telling me something was wrong. So I had to redefine and, you know, throw out my need to make patterns because that was my way of being in control because it's like I don't trust you because I have a pattern set to you. And as soon as you break that pattern, you have answers, you know, you have, you you have questions to answer in regards to why you broke this and why you, why you changed this and what's going on with you. And it's something wrong with me and there's something wrong with us. And what, you know, instead of all of that. So I understand now like his hesitancy to tell me things because the way I was set before was to like collect information to interrogate him later. Now, wow. Wow. now, it's just like, I ain't trying to interrogate you. We've been together so long, child. Like when it's time for me to be worried about something, it will present itself and I will address it then. I don't need to create a pattern. I don't have anything to check for. You know, I don't, I don't need it. Like I was able to relax and now with me relaxing and not being worried or waiting, looking for signs, he easily comes to me. And like when I learn something new, I just learn something new and I'm happy about it. Like we have so many more conversations now based on like the things we watch watch and you know just different things to where we don't even we don't even you know have to like stop and say okay what's going on with this like naturally these things come about without it being a thing without it being a question so it's just it just we just changed we evolved you know as time went on in our relationship
1: so you do you think for I mean and this is a question that you would answer on the behalf of women um A lot of those patterns that you're speaking of are directing the trajectories of relationships today. Mm -hmm. We can even go as far as to say that a lot of women are victimized by their experiences Mm -hmm. and love and they set these patterns to kind of follow the same, I guess, the, the same direction in a sense because they think that they already know where things are going. They'll say, you know, when a man is just not willing to communicate every detail because he believes in the element of surprise. Mm -hmm. Now he's being slick and he's hiding something Mm -hmm. like you. You think that, you know, where these patterns lead because of your experiences. Um, What would you say to women who set patterns negatively? In those spaces where you should be made to believe that there is an alternative and that you don't have to necessarily know exactly where you're going if you're expecting a man to lead.
0: Okay. So what I'll say is look at your patterns as a trap, right? Pretend your pattern to be a mouse trap, right? And the mm-hmm. only reason you set mouse traps out is because you know you got a mouse or a rat right so Mm -hmm. if you have these patterns set you're trying to catch a rat or a mouse right so when you when you set these patterns up you're almost setting yourself up to catch a rat you understand so it's like Mm -hmm. if you don't have a if you don't have um, a problem with pest why are you setting patterns why are you setting the traps why so you you really have to question your need to control things on that level. And it really has zero to do with leadership. It had, this is like one of those internal issues with the woman. Like, so it's, it's extremely hard to say and take control of a situation and say, okay, this thing happened to me previously. It was unfortunate. I wish it didn't happen. It hurt me. Right. But there are things Mm -hmm. I can put in place. And so a lot of times, We think we're putting in place patterns to, I guess, set off an alarm to help us look around and maybe prevent something from happening. But most times it's it's a lack of control and needing to be in control. We need to be able to control what happens to us and we can't. It's, it's not so much leadership, it's more so like releasing what happened to you before and letting a new thing happen. Like let a, let something different happen to you. Don't assume that the same thing that happened to you before is going to happen again in the same way it happened before. Right. Like you, Mm -hmm. that's, I feel like why the women hide themselves once they're tired of a certain outcome. I think that's why they can weed certain people out because they remember what certain things look like in certain men. And they were like, no, this is, this is not the type of thing I do or deal well with because when men act like this, it makes me think this way. And I get to set my traps and patterns. Right. So I feel like, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just one of those things to where you have to hold yourself accountable to, the way you're thinking right and and if you're thinking that something is going to happen he's going to cheat he's going to use me he whatever the case may be whatever the thing you experienced before if you are leading with that and if you feel like you have to protect against that you're setting yourself up for failure so you really you really kind of have to let go of the need to control the outcome or prevent something from happening because how how do you know it's going to happen? How do, yeah, how do you know right. it's going to happen? And and I'm saying all that, but it's darn near impossible, guys. BJ, listen, it's darn near impossible to go through something traumatic and not put things in place to protect yourself. Yeah,
2: you're right. It's
0: darn near impossible, but it happens with time. You get to lower your guard. Like me to tell you not to put your guard up is a joke. It's a joke. It's not real. Naturally, you're going to put a guard up. I don't think we have control of the guards we put up, but you need to, as time goes on, and you realize the threat level is not really there, that you lower that guard. And some people don't even have the ability to do that.
1: Yeah, you're right about that. You definitely are right about that. And the problem with so many of us is that instead of confronting the issue, We strategize about the issue, Mm. meaning that we want to be the person that makes it out unscathed or not affected. And that's not always the best alternative because somebody else has to be the person that is hurt outside of us. Mm -hmm. So when you are dealing with being unprepared, you have to understand that strategizing just simply means you're not confronting your issues. You're trying to beat the person to the punch. And that's not always cool because that punch can hurt that other person just as much as you're trying to keep it from hurting you. So it's just so much that we have to learn about being prepared, which just simply means sometimes having a conversation. Look, this is what I see when you do certain things. Explain to me what your intention is behind these actions. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So. I was going to say, like, for me, the more we talk about the unprepared and, the, you know, prepared, I feel like it's really hard to be prepared. Like, I feel like there's mm-hmm. like a false sense of um preparedness, if you will. Right? right. Like, no matter how much work you do on yourself as an individual, you do not know who you're going to end up with. You do not know what these, you know, important relationships are going to look like and how they're going to introduce themselves. All you can really do is make sure you're on the you're open to receive the possibilities. Right. So, like, there's there's no real preparation. It is just if there's any preparation, it's everything you've been do previously. Right. It's all it's the high Mm -hmm. school breakups. It's the college whole phase. It's the. It's the everything you've been through. It's the specific journey of you in your relationships. That is the preparation. And when you get to your main relationship, the person that you're going to try your hardest with, with all the preparation you have before, your best foot forward is going to be you being honest with the fact that you are unprepared because nothing you've done before has worked. But here you are and you want it to work and you're open to it working and you're darn near willing to try whatever it takes to see it through. And I think that's what, if I could, you know, explain anything about the unprepared, that's what it is. Because we have all these experiences, we've seen all these movies, we've heard all these horror stories, we, ho- we heard all these love stories, and we're compiling it into our lives, and we've seen what worked, and we've seen what didn't work, and all for the life of us, what we want is just to have a love that we can call our own and be happy with someone, and what that looks like is, you know, work. It, it looks like being open and understanding. It looks like communicating. It looks like maybe breaking each other's heart because y'all on two different pages, but then coming back and communicating where y'all went wrong and trying again. And, you know, it's a mm-hmm. lot of different things. It's like it's not cut and dry. It's not a perfect picture. It's, you know, probably a ripped picture that was glued back together. Hell,
1: Yeah, you're right. You're so
0: right. it's like it's no perfect recipe but the life you've lived honestly up until this point that Mm -hmm. is going to put you in position but what i will say and take from unprepared part one is to give yourself time to work on those things that you know you need to work on if it is a trust issue work on that if you are insecure work on that If you are angry because of your last relationship, allow yourself to be angry. Do not pack it. Do not pack that and carry that to the next relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are the things that I think are very important. And... Even when you do that work, trust me, you're going to be faced with new challenges dealing with those areas of weakness, but you'll be so much better because you took the time to work on those things personally, individually. So you're not presenting the worst of yourself when those challenges present themselves.
1: And I believe that when you do that, basically what you're doing is you're making the best of what you have to make yourself believe that there is still something better. Mm -hmm. And that's what love really requires. That's what your relationship with God is really requiring Mm -hmm. that despite what you're going through, I choose to believe,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, and it it is a challenge. It is, it's just a challenge, you know, but I mean, it's a reward in itself. Because once you get that challenge and you beat the challenge and you honestly won, mm-hmm. it's a it's a really gratifying feeling. You don't have to feel like you, you did somebody wrong or you manipulated your way to the win. Mm-hmm. It was an honest effort.
0: Oh, my God. Can I say this real quick? So mm-hmm. for whatever reason, you made me think about um, the relationships that didn't work and how automatically a lot of us characterize those people whom those relationships didn't work out with as bad people, right? When in actuality, they served a purpose, right? Now, the purpose that you thought they would serve would be like this long-term relationship and maybe y'all be together. But they were just a part of the recipe to help prepare you be unprepared for your relationship in the end, right? <laughs> right, right, right. So it's like they're not bad people, but you know, maybe the situation, the circumstance was bad in itself to where it didn't make you feel good, but they were all very important parts of the process. Right. To Mm -hmm. get you to where you need to be, to where you're just in your head, determining and figuring out who you are. And what love looks like for you and what you want your partner to be like and the type of communication styles you want to have with your partner and the way you want to be talked to and the way you want to be touched and, you know, how often you want to talk on the phone. Like all these little things who make up, where they make up who you are as a person and what you expect in a relationship. All of your, um, all of your past relationships are building upon who you are right now so i just i don't want you to look at those um circumstances or those relationships that didn't work out as bad experiences i know it's hard i know a lot of us you know just broke up with somebody last week and you hate them right but the point is Mm -hmm. later if you use that if you use that beyond the negative feeling to propel yourself and make yourself better as a a person, as far as understanding that, yo, I'm not perfect either. And I played a very huge part in why that didn't work out, you know, like they didn't dump me. Mm-hmm. They didn't dump me. They dumped the situation. I didn't <laughs> dump them. I dumped the situation that wasn't for me. Wow. That didn't feel wow. good to me. Um, I, I wasn't. I wasn't putting myself in the best position to be my best self. Like I was using that person. You know, sometimes if we could just be honest with ourselves. Yeah. I feel like we would we would get a a response from life that really was favorable if we could just be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we go through a lot of these bad situations just so we could tell ourselves the truth. Just so we can say, you know what, Crystal, that was your fault. You you did not enter that relationship with a pure heart. You honestly enter that relationship in pain and you use that person to heal, but you didn't heal. You just distracted. You understand? Like a lot of us just need right, to be right. honest with ourselves and why we're moving certain ways. And, and you know that is the truth. I think I think that would change a lot of our outcomes. It would change the way we handle things towards the end of things. It would help us kind of feel better about approaching dating and, you know, it, it and, and, you know, just letting it be what it is. I feel like, or have, you know, have those standards that we're not leading with. It'll, it'll, it would help us out a lot as far as just getting to know people and saying, yeah, you're a good person, but we wouldn't work in a relationship. You know, I feel like it would help out a ton if we could just be honest with ourselves and that's it. That's yeah. all I got.
1: That's a great way to end the uh, conversation because even in that example that you gave of confronting what the truth really is mm-hmm. to your circumstances those are still things that you have to make yourself believe as well mm-hmm. you know so um i hope you get the gist as the listener that make believe is not as fictitious as it seems a lot of times it's the initiative that you have to take to believe on things that you may not necessarily see and practice practice with your imagination more so than your experiences. Mm-hmm. Like being able to um, take yourself out of the existences that you're in and just practice being another way or living in another alternative. Mm-hmm. Because of course, if you want to feel a certain type of way, it's not going to always be a given that something or somebody is going to be there to assist you in your need It's going to be up to you. And are you prepared to cater to yourself in that way? And a lot of us are unprepared for assuming the responsibilities for our happiness, our well-being, our mental health and all of those different areas that do affect a relationship. So this is the approach to make believe for us is to indict you to take responsibility for that belief and make that thing happen for yourself as best as you know how to. Because the movies, the TV, the experiences of other couples is sometimes very misleading and is not exact to you. So I hope this was a help. I really. I really feel like I was more challenged in this conversation mm-hmm. to um, to see things different because I came into this conversation a little bit flawed as far as like how I wanted to approach it because I was definitely just trying to point out all of what was done to me and now we get to see how even patterns Affect a lot Mm -hmm. of what was done to me because I set a pattern. Mm. Make believe is definitely a real thing. It's not as it's not as fake or fictitious as we think.
0: All right. Well, if that's it, BJ, then thank you guys for listening and see you on the recap.
1: Absolutely. We'll definitely have a recap coming with all of what we took away from this conversation definitely if you have questions comments um, get those to us before the recap please so that we can possibly answer questions if there be any um, address any questions or comments if there be any because we definitely want you guys a part of the process but this is it for me and crystal you guys be blessed practice being prepared and we'll see you guys for the next conversation peace and blessings